Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Welcome back, Rush Nation, to what are we now, man? Week 15? We are week 15. Week 15, these weeks are flying. Yeah, pod number seven for us, week 15 on the season. We're back with the Five Yard Rush Daily Fantasy Sport podcast. Your host, as always, Nick Owen, and joining me is the right honourable gentleman, Mark Ferguson. And wow. how are we doing this week, Mark? <laughs> Not being very honourable this week. <laughs> um, I, had, um, I had a losing week in the classic main slates, but made up for it with another really good week in showdowns. Starting to think that maybe I should just become an exclusively showdown player this season. <laughs> I mean, just the the ROI at the moment is something like sixty five percent on the season. I um, the problem is I just don't have the time to play it. Showdown, it the way I play it and the profitable way I play it, it's quite a time consuming uh, thing. So, um, and it's just not as much fun as the main slates. So yeah, but you know, I'll think about that in the off season. Um, pretty much, even though I lost in the main slates, pretty much happy with with you know the teams I picked and how I picked them, the, you know, the results just didn't happen. And you can't really beat yourself up over that because we're all just trying to predict the future. Very true. Um, yeah. Um, Non-fantasy things I, which really interested me, and I'm sure, I'm curious if you saw this, did you see Jordan Aikens drop in the end zone? Oh, what an awful drop that was. I know, I know. And every time he does something like that, I just feel like it's a knife to my heart. It's a knife to, yeah, and more stock invested in Darren Fells. Not. Yeah, it's it's, it's criminal because the position he plays is well tight end. They're usually some of the safest hands you can get on the field, the quarterback's best friend. Um, It's just a poor, poor drop. It's hit him in the perfect region, the sort of breadbasket region of where you want the ball. Um, Yeah, not a good look, that one for Aikens. I'm not, I can't, I'm making an official stance now. I'm not picking them again this season. <laughs> despite so be six touchdowns. Despite the athleticness that is yes. it for Jordan Aikens this <laughs> yeah. season, unfortunately. You won't hear his name mentioned ever again on this pod. Certainly not. No, this literally, 
Yeah, at the end of this sentence, this is it. No more George Nakin's <laughs> talk, okay? Um, yeah, so, and the other thing which I, and I think this is a segues nicely into your week, is Jonathan Taylor. Oh, that that old friend of mine coming back. Yeah, yes. I had him in um I had him in my lineup and great score, thirty-three point five. He's had two good weeks on the bounce now, so it won't come as a surprise that he's gonna gonna find his way into my lineup again this week. More on that as we go through. But um yeah, I had a, a decent enough week mark. I actually didn't put that many lineups in because um, as we've just been discussing off the pod, uh, things are getting quite busy for me at the moment. So I'll be on this pod this week and then I'm no doubt we'll do a pre-Christmas pod, but then that'll probably be me done until mid-January when I return back from South Africa. Um, oh, someone else may be... Uh, you leave me on my own with the keys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can either talk to yourself for 40 minutes or it, it might be uh, might be one of the bosses dropping in Murph or Stocks, yeah. someone like that. Um, but yeah, I, overall, it was a good week, even though I only played a couple of lineups. Um, they, they were... They were pretty good scoring-wise. I had some big performances, Jonathan Taylor being one. Um, Austin Eckler had a decent week. Brandon Ayuk, I had in quite a few lineups as well, and, and he, he performed. Um, yeah, small profit, very small profit, but profit nonetheless, so I will take it. Yep, always take your profit. Absolutely. Um, this is it's certainly not the Christmas pod, but it's it's like the Christmas Eve pod, isn't it? It's the week before <laughs> the Christmas, uh, and we've got more games this week, haven't we? We've got the have we got Saturday games this week? Did yeah, I we see have. on the Sky Sports schedule? Yeah. Which is yeah, always nice. Yeah, nice. Um, again, it's similar to Thanksgiving in that aspect that I love this time of year when it gets nearer to Christmas because the fixtures. Um, they're not as condensed. They're a little bit more spread out, so it's good because we get some watchable football on uh, on Saturday as well as Sunday, which is perfect for me. Uh, not for the uh, the indoors, as um, she will um, she will lament the fact that NFL is on the TV on both days on the weekend. But it is what it is. That's why we pay our Sky for nothing else other than the sport. Um, Tears, Mark. Mm. Yes, did... I'm curious because I still don't know what you scored this week. So Yeah, so um... as regular listeners will know, we've been yo-yoing back and forth with the Tears scores. Um, and last week was no different. I took the lead 3-2. This week is the week where we expect, and the bookmakers probably had it the same, that you should take uh, you, you should pull level at 3-3. Three, three. Um, was that the case? So 170.76. I was really pleased with this score, but you've got me down to it now. Very, very good score. And on any other week, probably wins you the tears matchup, <laughs> but it didn't this week. So I actually finished with 179.62. Um, the, on, the only bad performance I had, well, two bad performances really. James Robinson didn't yeah. perform quite to standard and neither did Justin Jefferson. But other than that, what a great week I had. Wow. You'd have taken that in your main slate, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. And that was actually one of my small wins on the mm. week as well. Um, so again, just stellar performances throughout. Aaron Rodgers, Terry, Bridge, uh, Terry Bridgewater had a decent game. I had Brandon Ayuk in that. I had Devontae Adams, Jonathan Taylor, Keenan Allen. So... There was points, points, points all throughout that lineup. Um, just a shame that Justin Jefferson didn't hold up his end of the bargain, or it could have been a much higher win, but can't win them all. Well, congrats on that. That was a great score. It really was. I was really confident when I saw it was 170 as well. Really confident. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I saw your score, I had to go back and check. I thought, did, did I score yeah. that? Did, did I come under that? That usually on most weeks would win the tiers matchup. I think there's maybe only one matchup we've had this year, two at most, where that would maybe fall short. But three weeks ago I won with hundred and eighteen points. So it gives you an idea of context of it. Shows how shows how bad we both were that yeah. week. But having said that, you if you if we totaled up the scores 
for the whole season, did it that way, you would be so far ahead of me right now. Because when you win, you win big. <laughs> and I and I scraped through. So four two seems a pretty pretty kind to me at the moment. Living by the motto "Go big or go home," and that mm. puts daylight between us now, Mark. Four two. Yeah. So you've got some work to do. <laughs> I'll have to. I'll start taking it really seriously this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure. Obviously, next week I can. Well, we'll have a tears lineup for this week, which mm. we'll come to later on in the pod. But beyond that, I'm not sure. I'll probably be able to get one more in between Christmas and New Year. But then beyond that, I don't even know if DraftKings will operate in South Africa. So I don't even know if I'll be able to do a tiers lineup whilst I'm over there. So it could end up coming down to some playoff tiers at some point if if there's some kind of variation of tiers there when I come back in January. We will see. Or, or, you know, I could submit a lineup. You don't get yours in. That's a win to me. <laughs> you can come back uh, and I'll probably still be losing. At this stage, Mark, that could be your only. Uh, it could be yeah, your exactly. if you're something like that did happen. Yeah, but no, <laughs> great matchup that one, Mark. 179. Yeah, no. yeah. doesn't get closer and two great performances in tears. Yeah, I think so. we can both be proud of that. Very much so. Very much so. Uh, we'll move on then to the main event, which is the classic lineup. So we'll be looking at Sunday's main slate, as we always do, Mark. And we'll start with our favourite position, which, of course, is tight end. Um, nah, we, we'll be starting with the quarterbacks, as we always do. So we'll start with quarterbacks. You didn't do that to me. I'm like, <laughs> OK, no, I'm not going to start talking about Todd Brady then. Um, <laughs> Although, of course, a few weeks ago, Taysom Hill was a tight end on fan, on Paddy Power. So, um, To be fair, okay. Tom, Tom Brady's as much chance at tight end as most of the tight ends are in, in that bracket anyway. So, But yeah, we'll start That's with true, the quarterback. Yeah. You mentioned Tom <laughs> Brady, so fire yeah. away with Tom Brady, Mark. <laughs> so um, I am, I'm starting off with Tom Brady as opposed to sort of the, the big four at the top there from Murray to Mahomes. Uh, they're all very viable plays, although, you know, Mahomes against New York, New Orleans is a tough defence. Russell Wilson against Washington, very tough defence. So probably Jackson and Murray are best bets there. But anyway, I do like Tom Brady uh, against Atlanta. Uh, main reason being they give up the most um, DraftKings fantasy points to the quarterback position and the second most to wide receiver. So that would seem to imply that they're going to attack them through the air. The... Problem I have with Brady, and I did this last week actually, it didn't work out just because of the way the game script went. Is I don't anybody's listened to me or read anything that I've written knows I'm all about stacking and correlated lineups, etc. etc. The problem with Tom Brady is he's got so many weapons mm. and he spreads the ball out that what you can end up with is he can get a 35 point DK point, but you're with the wide receivers all get like 80 yards and a touchdown. So they get like 17 to 20 points or something like that, which isn't going to really win you any big tournaments and stuff yeah so i'm going to so if i play brady this week i'm going to play him as what they call a naked brady as in he doesn't have any any other stacking options there's lots of options from the falcons to run him back with you know such as ridley gage julio's fit always an option as well and uh, and the other thing is we were talking about this briefly before we got on we started recording the pod and I, although I'm going to use this stat, I'm not sure how how important or how meaningful it really is. But he does average currently eight points more away from home, Tom Brady. Now, the sample size is so small that I don't know if that really means anything at the moment. But you know, there you go. So I like him for all those reasons. And the other one is the other the value quarterback I like like, and it's somebody you picked a couple of weeks ago. And you're you're is like a premature, I think, isn't it? It is a um, Mitch Trubisky at five point five pay against um, the Vikings. Vikings give up points to um, wide receiver, which obviously would then convert to points for quarterbacks. They've still got something to play for Chicago. They um, in week twelve against Green Bay, they showed they're happy. Matt Nagy is happy for him to pass up to fifty times and stuff in a game, which is all means good fantasy points for us. So. Yeah, and um, and he seems to he seems to literally gone from a laughing stock to a viable option in like two weeks. Yeah, I I don't know if I'm surprised or not to see his name crop up again. Um, I think it was the week that 
was it the week of Green Bay or Detroit maybe when I, I picked him out? But like you said, I was probably a week premature on it, but I definitely get the value pick there, especially against uh, you know Minnesota seem to continue to leak points just when the defence seemed like it had turned a corner. Um, and I love the uh, love the Tom Brady pick. It's one I, I considered myself as well, Mark. Um, this week gave me similar vibes to, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but there was a week where we were sort of looking at the quarterbacks and it was just a bit like, it doesn't really fill me with, with, with any sort of confidence or desires to pick anyone here. I didn't really like any of the matchups. One of the ones that stuck out was Phil Rivers and I just really can't be that confident going into a a, a lineup with Phil Rivers at quarterback. I, I don't know what it is. So, I mean, Lamar Jackson is clearly the standout there at 7,500 for me. Um with that said, however, and that's basically off his bounce back week against Cleveland. But with that said, I like the Tannehill price as well. Um, now, I get that there's also some sort of reservation, I suppose, if you want to call it, with, with, with picking someone like Tannehill because Detroit are the worst team in the league against running backs and as we know, we are one of the worst with Houston Texans. As we know, last week, um, Derek Emery, despite having a bit of a blip the week before, came out last week and showed everyone exactly what, what he can do um, when given the opportunity. So that's the only reservation I have about picking Tannehill is because Detroit are so bad against the run. Is this going to be another week of give the ball to Derek Emery and watch the scoreboard tick over? Um with all that said, I'm still going to put Tannehill in my lineup. And the reason for that is I think Detroit's defense is just bad everywhere. So they're not particularly good scoring against quarterbacks. They're not particularly good scoring against wide receivers. Um, the flip side of that is Tennessee aren't either. So you tend to find with Tennessee that they end up in a lot of high scoring games. and I'm a big fan of Matt Stafford. I wish he was on a different team. One thing Tennessee don't do well is defend against the run. So this could be a week where we see some... I mean, Swift looked good again last week. Peterson's had his moments in recent weeks. So if it is a week where the Lions do surprise a little bit, then it's just going to open up more of a, a varied offence, I suppose. Will they try and defend against Derrick Henry anyway, knowing that the Titans are likely to come in and run the ball? And it's it's easy to say defend against that because it's very difficult to do when someone's averaging four to five yards per carry and is a, as explosive and powerful as Derrick Henry is. But I'm sort of I'm I'm sort of putting putting my faith here in the play calling and how I think the matchup may potentially go. So if if the Detroit Lions stay in it and it stays a close competitive matchup, then I don't think it's a case of we can just run Derek Henry over and over. Um, and that pretty much for that reason, Mark, and like I said, with Detroit, the, the poor all over the field on defence, um, that is why I'm going with Tannehill. Um, another reason why I like Tannehill as well is because of the receivers he's got at his disposal, he doesn't have to throw the ball 30, 35 times to put up a decent fantasy score because he's got that big playability with AJ Brown. Corey Davis has had a decent season. Johnny Smith, when he's, when he's fit. In fact, they've got a few tight ends there that are good targets. So... I think it, it it's just it, it's it's one of them for me where I'm I'm just hoping that it doesn't become a game where Derrick Henry just gets to pound the rock over and over and I hope it's a game where it is a bit more varied in in the offensive approach. The um, the interesting thing about Tennessee is in the last 3 weeks two of the winning Millie Maker lineups have had both Derrick Henry and AJ Brown in them without Ryan Tannehill mm. which is causing people like myself 
who really believe in the sort of maths by correlated lineups, et cetera, and correlations, leverage plays, it causes us fits because we're like, well, that doesn't work. That shouldn't work. They, you know, it, you, you shouldn't be able to get a ceiling game. But as I've said before, this Tennessee is almost the only team that you can do that with. Mm. Uh, the other thing is you're going to win. You're more likely to win more money on the weeks that Derek Henry fails by not picking him than on the weeks you pick him, except when it was like, was it three weeks ago we called it, where it was 7K, he was about 7.9K or something, and he was really, he was only 7% owned. Yeah. So that's obviously not happening now to the end of the season. I think we said that at the time, this is the only chance you're going to get him to get him at low ownership and that price. So actually, even though it might not work out, the statistically the most positive move you can do is to not play Derek Henry. And therefore that plays in with your Tannehill pick. And the other thing is, because of his price is 9.5, you know, he'd have to score, what, two touchdowns to make it. And also he's got to score so many more points. This is true of Dalvin Cook as well. They've got to score so many more points than anybody else to make their salary worthwhile. Mm. You know, so so actually picking Tannehill isn't, you know, although the, you could have reservations about it from the game script point of view, and it's Detroit in a, you know, that we can run. In actual fact, sort of, the way I approach these things is it it's it's a great move. It's yeah. a great play. And I actually did try and construct a lineup where I had Tannehill, I had AJ Brown, and I had Derek Henry. Mm-hmm. And it was just so weak everywhere else that it, I, I don't feel all that confident in the receivers I've picked this week anyway. But it was I'll even them as well. Yeah. It was even worse with Derek Henry in. It just felt like because I wanted Jonathan Taylor in, who we'll come to in a moment anyway, because I wanted him in as well, it was too much to invest in the running back position. So that was another reason. It was almost like, I think Tennessee will put up points in that game. I just hope they don't all come from Derek Emery and I can cover some of that spread with Tannehill and AJ Brown. Yeah. I've actually, funny enough to say that, one of my initial lineups is a Tannehill, Henry, Taylor, um, AJ Brown lineup and it's one of those where I look at it now and I picked it right at the beginning of the week without doing any great research like a bit of a good pick yeah and just based on you know things I'm feeling about previous weeks and stuff and I've just looked at it again now and I still like the look of it and it's one of those where I'm gonna have to force myself not to tinker with it (laughs) because you know what it's like where you overthink things as the week goes on and stuff and then you read one stat about one player one time and you're like Oh yeah, now I need to play him. This yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong; it's not the strong. It's got it's got some punts in there. It's that lineup to do that. I've got you know Chad Hansen in there and a couple of players I'm going to talk about today as well. Funny enough, uh, but yeah, I think um, I mean if you're going to play Derek Henry, that's one way to try and make yourself slightly different, isn't it? To play Tannehill yeah. and AJ Brown as well. But I do like the Tannehill pick, and he'll definitely be in a like 25 percent of my lineup or something like that. Yeah, the the other one I do like is if I was going a little bit more budget, uh, would be Tua. Um, he, he did more than I thought he was going to do against the Chiefs. This week he's playing the Patriots, who on paper are potentially a better defense, but they were poor against the Rams, and I watched all that game, and they were very poor. And I think the reason. Tua can perform this week is because the Miami defense, I think, has a, a really good chance of stopping Cam Newton. Looked, he, he just looks a, a shell of his former self. He doesn't look all that confident throwing the ball. The ball, I don't think he's ever been a particularly great throwing quarterback. Anyway, his strength was that you know he could run the ball off those option plays. So I think Tua and Miami are going to have plenty of the ball in that game. So at 5.7 I quite like him there as well, but it it's a you know it Bill Belichick. That's what that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Bill Belichick yeah. and he he's Against the rookie he, quarterback. Yeah, he he can scheme for things like this. He just mm. it's just one of them things where it, you know if if I, if I was to look at the stat sheet after after that game on Sunday and, you know, two was one touchdown, one interception for 200 yards. I wouldn't be surprised as to see a stat sheet like that. And if I picked him and he had something similar to that, I'd probably be a little bit disappointed. 
Yeah, it's a, it's. I think if the Patriots hadn't shut out Justin Herbert a couple of weeks ago, you might feel more confident. Yeah. But that kind of fits in with the myth of um, Belichick against. Well, actually, it isn't a myth. Sorry, the pattern of Belichick against rookie quarterbacks. Yeah. Another thing is, I just think the Rams are a way better team than everybody's talking about. And, yes, you know, I they're agree. Way, they're better than Miami. And um, and they're not, not not many people are talking about the Rams to be honest with you, and they're very they're they're strong pretty much across the board, and so I think that would be part of it you know like you say Cam Newton I can't believe a few weeks ago we were considering him I think we might have even mentioned him on the pod here, and and now he just looks I don't know it's hard to believe he's their best option isn't it <laughs> yeah so yeah and debatable whether he is, but mm. we've not seen enough of Stidham, I suppose, to, um, yeah. and the line isn't doing them much favours there either. Anyway, we digress, Mark. Mm. We'll move on to the <laughs> running back position. Um, now, there's a running back that we both quite like here, isn't there? Jonathan yeah. Taylor. Um, Indeed. But not the one that you want to talk about. So tell me about your picks this week at running back. Well, I'll let you talk about Jonathan Taylor then a little bit more. Is <laughs> you're the expert in him, <laughs> I wouldn't want to step on your toes there. Uh, um, I would talk about Jeff Wilson this week at five point one k. Now, this is a pick based purely on the idea that Moster, Moster, however you pronounce it, will be out this week, which yeah. looks a very a real possibility right now. Mm-hmm. We've seen that even when they've had the whole running back stable healthy, Wilson still gets a fair bit, fair few carries. He's still getting like double digit carries anyway. He's also been getting inside the five usage as well. But on the the week where he led the line for the um for the Niners in week seven against the Patriots, he had a thirty five point game, which shows he has a ceiling. Yeah. He's up against the Cowboys who are like the sixth worst or sixth best, depending on how you look at it, giving up most points to uh, running backs, DK fantasy points-wise. So, yes, I think at 5.1K. Now, when I was started the week, I thought he was going to be a relatively low-end player, but frustratingly, I've seen quite a lot of chatter about him on Twitter mm-hmm. in the last day or so. So I'm not sure he's going to be the low-owned player that I hope he was, but I do think he's got a good chance of hitting value. Yeah. And at five point one k, I think he can you know allows you to spend more money at wide receiver. Yeah, I really like that pick, and I wasn't actually aware that most it was potentially due to miss the game until a friend of mine messaged me today and said he's likely to start Wilson this week because it looks like most it isn't isn't a go. Um, I've just had a little look, and he's still listed as questionable, but apparently he's having more images done on his ankle so that doesn't spell great news um there's obviously something there that's bothering him so really like that pick um yeah I mean, we mentioned jonathan taylor i know he's one that you had mark as well as a pick yeah. this is one of those don't look too much into it kind of picks i said detroit uh bad across the board against all positions they're not the worst team in terms of points per game given up against running backs the houston texans are and fortunate for Jonathan Taylor, that is exactly who he's coming up against this week. And he's coming up of the two performances back to back with he had ninety one yards on the ground against Houston, but that was at Houston two weeks ago. Um with a receiving touchdown there. And then he had two touchdowns on the ground against the Raiders last week. Um that's, that's a short turnaround. They played Houston just two weeks ago, playing them again. Yeah. But he showed there how effective he was against that team. And as I said, they are the worst team in the NFL when it comes to drafting points per game given up to the position. Houston Texans are at 32.4, which is statistically worse than the Detroit Lions. So it feels like with Jonathan Taylor, I think we all sort of knew the talent was there coming out of college. And I think the Colts seem to have have found a way to use him effectively now whilst still using Naheem Hines. Um, There's absolutely no reason why Jordan Wilkins should be taking any carries away from Jonathan Taylor, especially goal line carries. So 
given the performances he's had, I think he'll finish the season strongly from this point onwards. He's had quite a price hike. So he's now 7,200. That's a significant price hike. He was only 5,800 last week against the Raiders. But if he's going to put up another week of 20 plus points, then that's that's fair. I'm happy to pay that. I think it might be good. It might put people off, which is um, which is good if you can get him a low ownership. I feel like the Texans as a team have given up. I really yeah. do. Yeah. I really feel that. Uh, I also put on here my last little sentence about Jonathan Taylor was this indie offense is surprisingly potent. <laughs> and I think... Shout out to potent. Yeah. That is yeah. a word we love at Five Yard Rush. We love potency. <laughs> Um, You're literally the only person who's laughed. Everybody else is like, why is that so funny? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's an inside the team joke, that one. But yeah, we love the potency yeah. at the five-yard yeah. rush. But um, in the office generally is, is and that's proven in, in in our picks from the wide receivers as well. I mean, yeah. Up, but, um, yeah, I feel the Texans are giving up, and I think we're just going to be targeting them for the next three weeks. So They they also don't have their own draft pick this year, do they? They traded that to Miami, so there's just there's no real gain from what the Texans are doing. I, I agree with you. It does pretty much just look like it's a team that's given up, but to no gain, really, because there's no first-round pick. So they're, ta- they're tanking for some random second-round <laughs> player that... Even the experts of five yard rush won't know. Actually, they'll know who it is because <laughs> they know everybody in the college game. But uh... Cle- clearly, looking for the next DeAndre Hopkins, um, you would think they'd not, not had that kind of player and traded him away. But there you go. Um, yeah, so I, I like Taylor. Um, I also like Robinson this week as well. And I've had Robinson. I've picked Robinson for quite quite a f- number of weeks over the last few pods that we've had. But he, he had a he had a down week last week. But again looking at what the Browns were able to do on the ground against the Ravens. Um, game script-wise, you'd expect that this is going to be a game where Jacksonville are behind, but James Robinson's the, the best player on their offence, let's be honest. Um, yeah, and Jacksonville have been surprising in some games as well. So Correct, yeah, they, they, are, they have and... been competitive, haven't they? In, in even games where they've mm-hmm. lost, they've, they've been close, so... Yeah, I, I, I think James Robinson at seven thousand one hundred. The um, the cheaper option I quite like this week was Gus Edwards. Um, seems a player that the the Ravens really like the look of. Um, they, they used him on the goal line a couple of times. I know Dobbins also had some goal line work against the Browns, but Edwards has been getting steady carries over the last few weeks, and I looked prior to coming on the pod just to see maybe why you know was Ingram injured and it, it turns out Ingram wasn't injured at all he was just the only featured in one offensive snap yeah, um, it's the so, first, it was the first snap I think I watched the whole of that game it was the first snap I think so nigh on a healthy scratch almost with one offensive yeah. snap in the whole game and, and and we pretty much knew that Ingram you know his his time at, at Baltimore was pretty much, I think, coming to an end at the end of this season. Anyway, but to see them not use him at all and instead favour going to either Dobbins or Edwards, that that's quite telling. And Edwards over the last couple of weeks, he's only had seven rushing attempts in his last two games, but he's very efficient with the rushes that he has. So mm. at four at four thousand four hundred, that's a reasonable price. You could slot him into your flex if you needed the funds elsewhere and. If the Ravens get to the goal line, there's always that chance that he's going to he's going to barge one in. I think what's good about the Ravens' offense as well is because they've got Jackson at quarterback, and because he's a very very mobile quarterback, that sort of read option opens up the run game even more because defenses have to be really honest when it comes to who's actually running the ball here. Is it Jackson? Is it Edwards? Is it Dobbins? It's it's like having two running backs in the backfield. So that, I think, might be uh, another reason why they're quite efficient running the ball. So, yeah, um, I think he's reasonably priced there for 4.4. He won me some money last week on that slate, so I do like him. (laughs) Fair, fair. Move on then, Mark, to the wide receivers. Mm. So we've got a crowded wide receiver room this week. Um, yeah. Really like some of your picks, so tell me more about mm. them. Okay, so my expensive pick 
out of all the guys at the top, there's Calvin Ridley for this week. I think his. Um, I'm kind of hoping the fact that he's against Tampa Bay and his price has jumped up by $700 that maybe he'll be a little bit lower owned. But as I mentioned before, I think he's a great run back for if you want to play Tom Brady as a quarterback. He's, again, he's averaging five and a half more fantasy points at home. Again, I'm not... I'm not convinced how meaningful that stat is, but it's it's there. I expect the Falcons will be passing a lot behind. They're passing a lot because they'll be behind in this game. And also, this does have a little bit of a sneaky shootout potential, so I like Calvin. I also like Brandon Ayuk. Like you, I played him last week. Um, I, I paired him with uh, McKissick. of Washington, who didn't, who didn't really do anything, but Brandon Ayuk was a great value. Mm. In the last four games he's played, Ayuk, his targets have been 16, 9, 14, and 10. So when you look at it just like that, 6.3 seems a bit cheap, doesn't it? Yeah. And he's, he's got a really soft matchup against the Cowboys. I, I already mentioned playing Jeff Wilson. I definitely wouldn't pair him. But I feel that in this game, especially against the Cowboys, one of those two players is going to go off. And Ayuk is definitely the safest option of those two to go off. But he might be a bit more higher owned. Um, another mid price player I like I won't talk too much about him because you've you like him as well as T. Y. Hilton. Yeah. More more from Indy. Uh yeah, he's a, his price just hasn't gone up enough when you consider his production. No, I, I I was quite surprised at that, Mark, as well. And that's one of the reasons mm. why I'd included him. I feel like for the last three weeks, I've been looking at the wrong Indianapolis receiver. I've been looking at Pittman when actually yeah, the one that's been doing the damage is T.Y. Hilton and has completely flown under my radar there. And actually just looking at his stats prior to coming on the pod, um, he'd actually done more than I thought he had. Um, yeah, I'm so T.Y. of old, isn't he? Yeah, and, and that is... Um, that is the top and bottom of it, is if you're getting this kind of performance out of him, it's the T.Y. Hilton we're accustomed to. Why we weren't getting this earlier in the season, I don't know. But sometimes, I suppose, a new quarterback to a new offence. Um, you know, he might have been injured as well, and they've not really been a fully, you know, completely honest about the sort of extent of his injury. Yeah. Because he has yeah. missed some weeks as well. I would say, though, if he's going to be highly owned, because it, that is very possible, then I actually may well play Michael Pittman instead. May we'll go back to the well, be disappointed again with Michael Pittman. Because <laughs> I feel like I feel like he's been disappointing us for weeks now, hasn't he? There's, um, I think when that is the case though, there's there's always that week where you you miss out on the big performance because he's let you down for a few weeks, you then don't play him almost out of spite. Um and then he comes back and, and bites you in the behind. But yeah, yeah. I, T. Y. Hilton I really like as well this week. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. Yeah, my last my last cheap players just because I think we're going to want to play some people from the Detroit side of that Tennessee-Detroit game. I, I'm definitely interested in Danny Amendola at 4.2k. Now, this, there's a quite a few options down there and stuff, and you definitely, I think you're definitely talking about, yeah, definitely talking about a really good option down there at that price as well. I, I need, to keep, need to keep an eye on the news to do with Matthew Stafford. Obviously, if he plays, I'm more comfortable than that. Yeah, but his targets have been—they've been up and down. But four point two k—that's what you'd expect. Titans are definitely—you can definitely attack them through the air as well. So I think there'll be plenty of passing yards and touchdowns to go around. So yeah, four point two k. I think is another good value play. So yeah, yeah, I like that. And and just touching on as well that game, there was a receiver I had my eye on, which was uh, Quintes Cephas at three point four. I could be wrong in this, but I'm almost certain he's one of the only receivers that's tied down with a contract for next year on the Lions. Um, He's not had a massive number of looks in recent weeks, but he did have a touchdown against Chicago. He's only targeted twice against Green Bay, but caught both. But again, at 3.4, it doesn't have to be a great stat line. It just maybe has to be... you know, if you can get 40, 50 yards and that potential for a score there, that might be a decent enough price. And like you said, game script in that should dictate that the Detroit Lions will have to throw the ball. Um, Kenny Golladay still seems to be missing in action. 
Um, who knows when he's, he's ever going to return yeah. to the field again. Fingers crossed for him. He's, he's supposed to be one of the longest players who's not been on IR. Yeah. Been injured. <laughs> yeah, he's had the questionable tender every single week, hasn't mm. he? Um, yeah, so I really like those picks. T.Y. Hilton we've already touched on. A.J. Brown makes sense to me because it, it's pretty much just stacking him with Tannehill. He's got that big, big playability. Um, I mean, you only have to look at his recent weeks. He's you get the ball to him, and he's always capable of breaking out that big play. Um, I still think he's reasonably priced at seven thousand six hundred. He's one of my favourite receivers to actually watch play. At. He's yeah. he's similar to DK Metcalf in a way, and and, and I suppose that they are. Different in you know, there's no one quite like Metcalf in in his build, but AJ Brown's not a million miles away, and you know, just getting the ball, he's a such a powerful runner as well. But he's got that big play style, which I love in receivers. So it seems quite a sensible stack there. But again, I think you could probably look at a couple there if you were looking and wanted to go a little bit cheaper. I think Corey Davis at five point eight as well, though he's maybe broke a couple of hearts in recent weeks, especially last week against Jacksonville, where he, he had a pretty poor showing with 5.4 points. I think that's always worth consideration there as well, because Corey Davis has had a pretty good season. He's averaging 15.9 points per game, so definitely worth consideration there if you wanted a Tennessee receiver but didn't necessarily want to pay the premium to get A.J. Brown into your lineup. Um, I also like the other Brown, Hollywood Brown, I say, like, what annoys me about Brown is he came out on social media a few weeks ago and and said something which seemed to point to the fact that Lamar wasn't throwing the ball or spreading the ball enough. But then you see in the Ravens and Cleveland game, um, you know, he, he had some drops on some catchable passes. And you can't come out and say that, you're not getting the ball enough. When the ball comes your way, you've got to catch the damn thing. So, again, it's it's almost a reluctant pick, this, because I'm not the biggest fan of Brown, but what I do like is he also has that big playability. Um, it, again, he's one of them receivers where he only needs two or three catches and he could end up with 90 yards for that game with a score. And he's had three touchdowns now in consecutive weeks. So he had one against the Steelers, one against Dallas, one against the Browns. So 5.6, he is in my lineups as it stands. He was so bad on Monday night, Marquise Brown, that literally he scored his touchdown, I think it was on a fourth and four or something like that. Mm. And Lamar, when Lamar came running out of the locker room to do it because um, um, Sawley, McSawley was injured. And um, And the commentators literally said, you know, his options are he needs to either run with um, Dobbins or throw to Mark Andrews, but don't throw to Marquise Brown. They look on days literally said, whatever he does, do not throw to Marquise Brown. And then he caught the touchdown and won them the game effectively. So uh, so that was quite, he was terrible in yeah. terms of drops. They were he's, terrible. He's had 81 targets this season and he's only caught 43 of them. So he's actually only catching just above 50% of his targets, which is pretty poor. I'm not sure all of those will be catchable from Lamar Jackson, though. No, oh, definitely not. No, we've definitely seen not the most accurate. We've seen what Lamar Jackson throws like, but mm-hmm. yeah, he, he, again, he, it's just I feel like I'm going with the the big play receivers this week because Ty Hilton's always capable of that big play as well. But Marquise Brown, like I said, he only actually needs two catches, and one of those he could be taking to the house mm-hmm. from 70 yards out, and that's why I'm going with him this week. He has obviously got the pace there. Good matchup against Jacksonville. Very, very poor against the wide receiver position. So, and there's not much in the ter- in, in terms of wide receiver in Baltimore's offense. So, yeah, I'm going there with Marquise Brown. The other one that I quite like, Mark, was Lavisca Chenault. But again, mm. it wasn't. It's, it's not one where he's not in a lot of lineups that I've got at the moment. But at three point eight. Again, there's not a lot there at Jacksonville, and that's a game where you'd suspect that they're probably going to have to throw the ball a little bit as well. So, Chenault at 3.8 is a price that I quite liked as well. 
he had 11 targets last week and generally speaking over the season he's scored double digits quite a lot so 3.8 is pretty good value yeah it's whether or not he's got the he really he needs to score what something like 15 to 18 for you to be really happy in a sort of tournament lineup i think yeah which he's definitely within his within his um range of possibilities definitely yeah so yeah what he's what he has as well is he is a bit of a swiss army knife kind of player whereby he can you can operate him out of the backfield as well, but there's not much need, I suppose, for Jacksonville at the moment to do that because James Robinson's so effective in himself doing that. But at 3.8, he does represent good value if he can get you 10 plus points. Yeah. And Gardner Minshew may well be back as well. He's He seems to be a better thrower than Glenn, I think. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. You, you don't have to be the biggest Gardner Minshew fan to admit that, I don't think. So, yeah, watch this space on that one. We'll move on then, Mark, to our favourite, our favourite position <laughs> of the week, which is tight end. Um, yeah, you, you, Just, stuck, you, you stuck to the rule here and gone with one tight end. I've not yeah. stuck to the rule and gone with two. Yeah, there is a, a reason for that. Okay, it's a ridiculously priced position this week, isn't it? With Kelsey at eight k, yeah. and then the second one being Andrews at five point five. Uh, Kelsey's just. They need a they need a whole different category for Kelsey, don't they? Effectively, definitely, yeah. yeah. Just 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 one between one receiver and tight end. But anyway, my my pick this week is Cole Komet at three K for Chicago. He's received seven targets each of the past two weeks. I think he's a nice pivot off of Jimmy Graham, who I feel gets more talked about more, which is weird, especially the last couple of weeks. He's only, he's only had five targets total. Yeah. But Jimmy Graham did score a TD last week, so maybe that will hopefully that'll put people off Comet. But a 3K, seven targets, I think you'd take that before the game started, wouldn't you? Definitely, yeah. He's the one that I quite liked, actually. Um, even though I've put Gronkowski down as well as my other one, as I said, there is a reason for that. But Comet is the one that I looked at and thought, for the price there at 3K, really like that value or the potential value that he holds. And Graham, I think, was... Like early season successes, I think it's it's quite apparent now that Cole Komet is the tight end one there, or certainly the tight end one B if he isn't the full tight end one. With uh, with Graham being the tight end one A, um, the reason I included Gronkowski is I've actually got him flexed at the moment, believe it or not. So I've wow. got Komet in my tight end slot. And then I've actually flexed Gronkowski. Um, the reason being, there is, I've no budget to actually invest in a higher valued player there. And some of the lower valued ones, even though we've touched on them with the receivers, I'm not as confident picking them as I am with Gronkowski. It's not a great week last week. Still scored a touchdown, but not a great week. But even in a packed Tampa Bay offense, he does seem to get quite consistent targets. So from week five, just as an example, six targets, eight targets, eight targets, four, six, three, six, seven. So he tends to tends to average around that sort of five or six targets mark. He's he's got that relationship, I suppose, with Tom Brady as well. They played together for years. So I feel like he's always that one player that Brady will will look for. He seems to have struck up a bit more of a connection with uh, Mike Evans in recent weeks, though last week maybe not so much. But at 4.2, again, it's one of Gronk's cheapest prices since earlier this season. And at that price, if you're looking for someone to put in your flex, normally I I would say absolutely don't flex a tight end because they don't tend to score high enough to warrant you know, I'd, I'd normally always look to flex a running back or a receiver, but he's priced like a, a, a budget receiver almost. So, and and he is essentially one of the top receivers on that offense. I think um, I think both the last two weeks, the Millie Maker's been won by a double tight end team, and I have a feeling that this the week just gone, Tyler Eifert was the second tight end. Wow. So there you go. Um, I think, that's that's a name that's cropped up a few times. Yeah, it does. Um, I think Gasicki was the other one. 
the um, thing the so. thing as well with Gronk is that he's playing the Falcons, and the Falcons are mm. one of the worst teams against the position. So they give up fifteen point four drafting points on average to tight ends, uh, which is ranked about sixth worst, I think seventh worst. Mm. So again, it's it's a good matchup for him, um, and I'm quite happy to flex there rather than take a punt on a lower value receiver who may get the work, may not. I'm more confident that Gronk will. It'll help me line up unique as well. Yeah, true, true. Definitely, you know, increases your chances of winning more money. Our second favourite position then, Mark, to round us off is the defence <laughs> special teams. We've gone alternating teams here in, in the same matchup, haven't we? So talk me through yours, first of all. Oh, yeah, I've just realised that, yeah. So, yeah, um, I'm going with, with my team, Washington, here. I don't, I'm really not sure why they're 2.6K still. It just doesn't make any sense to me. When you look at the sort of scoring they've done, say, throughout the last four weeks, admittedly, they were against Cincinnati, Dallas, and then San Francisco, those three weeks, you know, 12, 15, and 23 points. Yeah. But they're getting pressure on the quarterbacks, they're getting sacks. I mean, the defensive touchdowns obviously aren't sustainable. But even if you take those out, that's still an eleven point week last week against San Francisco. So that's yeah, two point six K. Crazy scoring over the last four weeks, isn't it? Twelve, fifteen, three, twenty-three. Crazy. They're um but they're not they weren't the best teams, those three. So, you know, they only got three against Pittsburgh on their on the week they played a decent team, so hmm. I think but, I went yeah. with the wrong defence last week because I went with the 49ers, in, in actual fact, I should have gone with the Washington football team. Um, I've gone mm-hmm. with the uh, opponents this week and gone with the Seahawks. Um, I did have the Seahawks in a few lineups, and they had a decent week, as predicted, against the Jets. Finished with 12. Um, again, the, not, they're not a great defence, Harley. We, we know the stats behind them, especially against... Um, you know the pass, and they they give they tend to give up a, an awful lot of points against receivers. I was just checking actually, and they are still it creeps down week on week, but they are still the worst team against receivers. One point this season, I think they were giving up over sixty sixty five DraftKings points, but they've yeah, managed to obviously were. tighten the defense up a little bit because they're down to forty eight point four now. But they are still the worst. The Falcons coming in just after them. And the Washington offense is terrible as well. You know, let's make no bones about this. I'm a Washington fan, and I was a little bit embarrassed by some of the um, the stuff on Twitter on Monday because you think we'd beaten, um, you know, um, Vince Lombardi's Packers the way people were talking. <laughs> we'd beaten a five-win team who had like half the team were on IR, probably the most injured team in the whole league, uh, the 49ers, and we scraped through because of three field goals and two defensive touchdowns. Now. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, all points count. And, you know, but Alex Smith got injured. He wasn't really doing much anyway at that point either. So, yeah, it was, a you know, I'll be as happy as the next person if we make the playoffs, etc. But people's reactions were a little bit OTT, I thought. I, all, I was going to post, post something about it on Twitter and I thought, oh, no, I've got my membership revoked if I say this. So, uh, <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's I, I totally get a Seahawks pick against Washington. I just, unless... Unless Antonio Gibson comes back and they start, they can just pound the ball. Because um, Terry McLaurin has disappeared for the last couple of weeks because there's no because the quality of quarterback play hasn't been good enough. So I think, yeah, I think that is part of it, the quality of quarterback play. And it doesn't necessarily always need to be with Terry McLaurin. We've seen him put up the numbers when quarterback play hasn't been good. In fact, for pretty much all of his Washington career so far. That is exactly mm-hmm. how he's had to operate. Um, but yeah, I mean, S- Smith, is, is he good to go this week? Is he still, is he questionable? I know that, well, just reading now, it, apparently they're optimistic that he will suit up. I'm, um, I don't think it's going to make a massive difference either way. I really don't. Uh, in terms of, I'm thinking in terms of fantasy. I'm thinking in terms of fantasy scoring for the Seahawks. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, I don't think it makes a massive difference. The, ne- the next man up, anyway. If if Alex Smith isn't good to go, then the mm-hmm. next man up's Dwayne Haskins. But I don't think there's, I don't think there's a huge drop off. You, you, you know, Smith is the better quarterback 
of the two from what we've seen, but still not a great quarterback. So, yeah, I think where Seattle tends to leak points comes in the form of the quarterback play and what they give up to wide receivers. If they can shut Terry McLaurin down and if the quarterback play isn't great, then you can't really exploit the weakness of that defense. So, and the thing with the Seattle Seahawks as well is they need to win games. They they can't really afford to be in, in these close games or losing games now because otherwise it looks like the Rams will secure the NFC West. Um, so they, they've, they've, they've pretty much got to win out from this point onwards if they want to secure the West. So, yeah, I think sort of breaking my own rule as well a little bit there because they're priced at 3.1 and I don't like spending over three for a defence, but yeah, the plain Washington. I know, I know in reality I'll end up playing more of the Jets and Jags at like 2 and 2.1k <laughs> and the Lions as well, just because that's how I end up. I always end up, I would rather spend the money on a skill position player than the defence. Yeah. I was only an hour about the Vikings as well at 2.8 against Chicago, but... Again, they, they, they had that resurgence, the Vikings defence, where they were putting up pretty good good scores. And in fact, they did the week before against Jacksonville, even when they conceded 27 points, was it? They still managed to put up a defensive score of 13 drafting points. And again, it's it's off the back of the turnovers that the defence has. Yeah, I think, so, yeah, um, I, I, think, pivot. Yeah, I think New England are going to be very popular at 3K against Miami. Yeah. And also um, Arizona against Philly at 2.9. So I think there's lots of options. You'd have to pay up for the Rams against the Jets. Definitely not. You don't want to. And that could be a game as well where the defence doesn't need to do all that much. It just needs to make sure that the Jets aren't on the field, which I think will probably be the case when it comes to game day. That rounds off the classic lineups, Mark. So as regular listeners know, this podcast does always end in tears. And we're back to the playmakers this week. So position by position, we start with the quarterback, which I think is the uh, the pocket passer quarterback and then the mobile quarterback, so on and so forth. But we'll run through our tiers lineup then for the week. So who have you got in tier one? I've gone for Tom Brady. So stuck with your pick there. I've gone with mm. Tannehill, so I've stuck with mine as well. And tier two? <laughs> Uh, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I've gone with Lamar also there. That seemed the yeah. obvious pick. Uh, tier three. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor. Ah, we've gone different here. So I've gone oh. with Derek Henry there. I've gone for, because mm. I've included Tannehill, just so that I had that bit of diversification because he's not going to be in most of my lineups. I don't think I wanted him in my tiers lineup. Mm. Um, Naheem Hines is my tier four. Who is yours? <laughs> it's the same. So this is weird. Tier four is terrible. Oh, it's, it's dreadful. Horrible. It is awful. Absolutely horrible. And Heinz is the best option, I think. He's the best play there. And it's... to be honest, because it's against Houston, I'm not worried about having Taylor and Heinz in tier three and four. But it did feel a bit odd. So... Tier, tier four reads like a tight end list. So... And I'll try and paint the picture here for the listeners, but in Tier 4, Naheem Hines is the only player that's averaging over 10 fantasy points per game. Mm -hmm. Everyone else in that tier is below 10, which is what you expect to see from the tight ends page on DraftKings or the defense page. So, yeah, really, really poor tier, that one. It's a who's who of backup running backs and bit part third down backs, pretty much. (laughs) Um, Who are you with in Tier 5, Mark? Uh, Calvin Ridley again this is weird I don't normally go with my picks These I do these two things independently normally and uh, yeah there you go I also went with Calvin Ridley though because I, I, I do mm. like that matchup and he's mm. he's pretty much Mr. Consistent now isn't he he's putting up yeah. numbers week in week out um, tier 6 uh, Jefferson oh we've gone different here so I've gone Mike Evans simply okay. because of the matchup uh, tier 7 Ayuk, uh, we've gone different here as well. I've gone oh, okay. with another homer here. I've gone Cooper Cup. <laughs> oh, okay. I feel like Cooper Cup's always my tier seven pick in the <laughs> in these playmaker tiers that we end up playing. Um, yeah, I, I just think against the Jets, I think it'll be a comfortable game for us. But um, 
that's one area of their defense where they are weak is is sort of defending the middle of the field and the slot, and that is a position where Cooper Cup does like to operate. So happy picking him there. And then tier eight rounding us off. I've gone for Andrews, Baltimore. This is the tight end tier, so some great options here. Oh yeah, it, it was between one for me, and that was Mark <laughs> Andrews also. <laughs> Yeah, there's uh, there's no one else really on there. Even though I've flexed Gronkowski, um, the, the the faith is definitely in Andrews here. And I'd love to have Andrews in my lineup this week, in all honesty, but I just yeah. I can't really justify the price. He's one of the better tight ends, but it's it's still dependent on what the Ravens do on the day, whether they end up throwing the ball or whether they end up running the ball. They were so run heavy on Monday. They were yeah. so run heavy. And yet, Mark and I imagine Andrews, that's going to be. He still sorry, had imagine, a. He, oh, go on. Sorry, just to quickly say, I imagine that's going to be their um, blueprint now, as going into the towards the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Well, that that's what they do well. And that's what's worked for them, and that is, you know, you've got a quarterback that's mobile. That is his best skill. Is is his legs and the read option that the the operating Andrews. I was going to say actually had an okay stat line against Cleveland. It wasn't. This wasn't anything spectacular, but he finished on 12.8 drafting points. Um, but I feel like a big chunk of that was all in one play. He just seemed to be wide open on one pass mm. that went for about 40 yards. So, again, that that looked like it was going to be a disappointing day for Andrews, but he's the standout there, definitely. I just can't justify paying enough to have him in the lineup. Yeah. Well, in the tiers, he's just the best of a bad bunch. So, yeah, exactly. So, rounding us off then with the tiers, we've got. I'm going to kick us off, Mark. I've got Tannehill, Jackson, Derek Emery, Naheem Hines, Calvin Ridley, Mike Evans, Cooper Cup, and Mark Andrews. Give us yours, Mark. I've gone Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson, Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, Calvin Ridley, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, Mark Andrews. Awesome. Will this be the week that you make the score a little bit closer, Mark? Will it be four three? <laughs> Will it be five two? Will it be pretty much season over? I think it's season over already, but like <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is this is back to the week where I tend to do well. So yeah. the script could could flip. It could be that you, you do well this time round. We will see. What I do like about my lineup there is there's an awful lot of green in the uh, the opposition ranking, which means that there's some good matchups there on paper at least anyway, which I'm quite happy with. That rounds us off for week 15, Mark. A pleasure as always. Any parting comments for the listeners? Um, no, not particularly. I'm um, really looking forward. I think this slate is. Been this from initial research is my favourite slate in about six or seven weeks. Definitely, I think there's so many great options, so many ways you can stack really well. Uh, there's so many games I really want to target, whereas last week I was a bit, I didn't know who had to target. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Yeah, as am I, and I'm really looking forward to the football that we'll be getting on Saturday as well. Always nice when we get. Even more football spread over different days at watchable times. So, perfect weekend. Thanks, as always, for listening. And best of luck with your Week 15 lineups. You can find me on Twitter at Nick of Wigan. And where can the listeners find yourself, Mark? At underscore SMRF. Awesome. Gamble responsibly. Don't forget, this is your money. Only spend what you're comfortable spending. But most importantly, what should the listeners do, Mark? Draft responsibly. Absolutely. See you in week 16. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. 
testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.